can take your seats. I just organised my singlet. <laughs> ah, here I am. Okay. I've just got a couple of things up here on the pulpit that I'm trying not to show you because I might have props today. I might, but um, yeah. Ooh, it's going to fall off. Okay, I've got to open my notes. How are you doing? Are you doing all right? So good. Is it good having like three different voices today? Is that going to be cool? Um, I, I thought I might just try and limit mine to five because um, I know that um, Dougal, is, he's always got like really good content because he knows a lot because his other name is Google. So, you know, if you don't know, <laughs> just ask Google, I mean Dougal. So that's what I do. And then Amanda, she's actually a preacher and she is awesome. So um, she will just <laughs> fill in the gaps and <laughs> wrap it all up and, and help you see Jesus. So anyway, cool. Yeah, you guys can take your seat. Thank you, guys. All right. Vision. We're talking about vision today. Just, I'm just calming my nerves. I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. I'm glad we're talking about vision today. I, well, I'm not really glad <laughs> to have to be up here, but actually I'm glad we're talking about vision today. Talking about vision is good. And the reason it's good to talk about vision is because I am someone who used to think that I didn't have vision. And, um, and I thought that made me quite a useless person <laughs> because I didn't have vision. And now that I understand vision or having vision, it just makes life better um, and perhaps a little easier. It's like when you discover something about yourself, like you discover what makes you tick, or you find out your personality type. You know, it's quite cool. It's like, oh, that's cool. And then life just kind of seems a little bit easier because you sort of understand the way you tick. Um, it's like when you find out what you're passionate about or what sparks joy. It just kind of makes life better. Um, so I hope today that you do pick up a bit of an understanding of vision and why it's important to have it. Um, I'm not an ambitious kind of person. I don't, you know those people, eh? <laughs> it's not bad to be ambitious. It's absolutely not bad, but I'm not an ambitious person. I don't talk about my hopes and my dreams for the future. Um, therefore, I used to think that I lacked vision. Um, I thought that having vision was knowing exactly what you wanted to do with your life, exactly where you were going to be in 10 years' time, what you were doing, you know, how many millions you'd made by the time you were 35 and how you were going to do it. And, you know, I, th I thought that was vision. And that is vision, but it's not the whole story. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, oh, cool, I've even got slides. I forgot. The Bible says, and you know the scripture because, you know, you hear it from time to time, and it's um, Proverbs 29, 18, and I love this version of it in the message. Um, it's the one that, I'll tell you the other one, it's where there's no revelation, where there is no revelation, where there is no vision or prophetic vision, people cast off restraint or people dwell carelessly, but happy is he who keeps the law. And I love the message version. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, 
they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Isn't that cool? Thank you. Um, for those of you who love quotes, here's a quote from Chris Vallotton. Vision is what we see, but it is also the way in which we see. Vision is the lens that interprets the events of our life, the way we view people, and our concept of God. You like? Here's another one. Vision is the bridge between the present and the future. So I had to look up the definition of vision because it's kind of like a good place to start when you're sort of wondering, what is vision? What does it even mean? The faculty, okay, so vision, the faculty or state of being able to see, and we know this, eyesight, sight, power of sight, the ability to see, you know, all of that. But I love this one. It leads into the, to another definition. It says the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. And look at those words. Imagination, creativity, perceptiveness. I love that because I feel like that's me. Intuition, la la, discernment, awareness, cleverness. Isn't that cool? God has created us all unique, hasn't he? We all know that he's created us differently. So if we are created differently, we all think differently, we show love differently, we communicate with each other differently, and I would suggest that we express vision differently. Let me explain what I'm thinking. Okay, now enters my props. I'm a little embarrassed about this, but it's okay because you love me and you can laugh, but you... Okay, I have three props. My first prop is glasses. These are actually my glasses. <laughs> These are my reading glasses that I got when I was 15. My eyes are mostly fine, and actually they're perfect now, they're fine, because I did go back to the optometrist and they said, oh no, you're actually fine, your vision is fine, you just have the tendency to go cross-eyed. <laughs> And I thought, oh gee, I better stop that party trick. <laughs> Otherwise the wind will change and I won't. You ready? <laughs> Harry Potter? <laughs> that, that <laughs> hey, stop laughing so hard, Rachel. That's really unfair. <laughs> Um, actually, Elliot looks very much like Harry Potter with my glasses on. Um, I pop these on, and the words are slightly enlarged, and my eyes don't have to strain so much. My, my eyes are mostly fine, but they get tired. And then I have some of Lucia's binoculars. Now, she's been asking for binoculars for Christmas for ages. So this year it was binoculars. Last year it was ice skates. Um, this year it was binoculars and a nutcracker. And um, when I look through my binoculars, I can't read the words because they're actually really cheap ones. Um, 
I can see the object, but it's a little far away to see the detail. But when I look through the binoculars, I can see the colours and I can see the detail. And then, hiding over here where you didn't see, I have a telescope. <laughs> awesome, eh? Things are so far away that you can't see them with the naked eye, but when you look through the telescope, you can see even the tiniest detail. In fact, you can see things that no one has even seen before. You can see things that haven't, I don't really know about space and stuff, but I feel like I may have heard that you can see things that haven't even been born yet. That kind of, like, is that sort of true? Um, every, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Everything that is so far away is now right up close, like it is right here. And if these three things were a picture of how you see your future, which one are you? And I, would, I, reckon, I reckon I'm the glasses type vision person. I'm a bit of a here and now person. I want my here and, I know what I want my here and now to feel like. I know what sort of atmosphere I want to carry into the world today. And I know, I know how I want people to feel when they encounter me. And I know what sort of atmosphere I want in my home. And when we go back to that second slide of those wonderful definitions, if the atmosphere of my life isn't feeling right, then that's when I have to allow my imagination and my creativity and my perceptiveness and my intuition and my discernment and my awareness and my faith to kick in and I take steps to get things back on track. That's my prophetic vision. I reckon Jordan is a telescope type person. And he actually needs me to be the here and now person because sometimes his vision is <laughs> way out there and I'm looking after the details, yeah, yeah. But it is brilliant that he is a telescope type person. God created him to be a telescope type person. He lives and breathes the vision God has for the church, the body of Christ. He sees things that haven't even happened yet. He sees potential and God-given gifts in others that even I don't see. I could make a list of people from our old youth group back in Akribas Church in Auckland who Jordan worked with, brought them into his world, worked alongside, trained them, taught them, um, you know, had them in his leadership team and gave them responsibilities. And I saw crazy 18-year-olds, like with failings and mistakes and weirdos and, you know. Um, and he saw awesome, strong, courageous, passionate about God 25-year-olds. And it's really cool because now, I mean, that's only seven years, you know. And so now when I look back, I'm like, man, I was really wrong about that person. And, um, and that's why it's really important that we listen to and we take note of those telescope-type people. Um, because they have a vision that causes us to see further than we can actually see ourselves. Cool. Here's another quote. 
Vision, oh, yeah. Vision gives pain a purpose. Ouch. Those without vision spend their lives taking the path of least resistance as they try to avoid discomfort. And I'm guilty of that, yes. So, why do we need vision? Because life is really just a series of problems, challenges, trials, and disappointments. Who knows that to be true? Without vision, we can become overwhelmed by problem after problem after problem. On the other hand, if you cultivate vision, you immediately explore ways to deal with it, your problem. You will not only avert discouragement, but you will also discover just how much creativity and wisdom God wants to give his children who look to him for help. Cool? I didn't make that up. It was in the book, but it's really good. And um, as I was preparing this message yesterday... I've been thinking about it for a long time because I've known about it for a long time. But as I was actually like, you know, typing up my stuff, all I could think about was this little issue that I, that I had with my work. And um, so, you know, trying to write down about vision, but this issue, this problem just was at the forefront of my mind and I could hardly concentrate because I was thinking about my problem. And um, anyway, I, so... Like I said before, you immediately explore ways to deal with it. I stopped myself and I thought, right, worst case scenario, I have to pay some money to get it fixed. That end. Don't think about it anymore. What's the problem? So that was cool. I immediately explored a way to deal with it and it was to tell myself that it was no big deal and move on. Cool. So that was number one. Life is just a series of... And number two, why do we need vision? Because God has put greatness in each and every one of us. And it needs to come out. Firstly, we need to realize greatness in ourselves. Remember, we're made in the image of God. And he has a plan and a purpose for us. Vision is not just for me to make my plans for my life. God also has a plan for my life. And I need to align with his plan. And so do you. And I'm just about done. You ready? Got your notes, Dougal? Once I know that God has put greatness in me, then we can look beyond the obvious in other people and draw out the greatness that God has placed in others. And I love, love, love it. This is the last thing I've got. I love, love, love it when I have a conversation with someone who says, you know what you said really helped me? And I think, oh, it was just a comment in a conversation and... I didn't even realize that it was that profound. But for them, some piece of wisdom has landed in their heart that God is using to shift their thinking and to encourage them. It's cool? Awesome. Oh, thanks, Lord. Woo, good catch. Extra good. Why don't you give Chrissy a hand? Um, grab a seat. There are the magnetic part of my iPad cover is now stuck to the lectern. So there we go. Hey, um, there's um, 
already, who, who likes a tag preach? That's an old school name for it. I don't know what we call it now. A team preach. Uh, I like it because of, um, because you get to hear from different people. I like it as when I have to do it because it means you don't have to present the whole story. You just present a little bit of it and go, oh, they'll finish it off. Um, I can already see themes emerging. The first theme is uh, spectacles. So I need to, I've had glasses for about five or six months and I have to wear them when I'm reading. I'm at that age now. Um, so, uh, but it, it, when I look out, it's a bit blurry and I'm in danger of falling off the stage. So um, I might take them on and off a bit. Um, and the second theme already um, is when I, as a bit like Chrissy, I kind of thought I'm not really a person that has a great amount of vision. Um, like Chrissy, I don't have this great plan of where I'm going to be when I'm, I was going to say 45, that's next year. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any idea where I'll be next year. Um, funnily enough, about uh, late last year, um, as some of you know, I'm a, a clinical psychologist and part of being a clinical psychologist is that you have supervision. And what that means is that you regularly meet with somebody who's older and wiser, they might not be older, wiser at least, and sort of you talk about some of the difficulties you've been having or the challenges or where you want to go. And he said to me, um, do you have a vision for where you want to be in five or ten years? And I said, uh, no. <laughs> should I? Uh, and he didn't think I should. He was just asking. But it made me think that, that I, have, I don't have a vision. Um, the last time I had a vision for where I was or what I wanted to do, I th or the very strong one, I'm sure I've had smaller ones, was uh, when I was 18, I had a vision that I was going to be a lawyer. And I went to uni to, uh, to do law, which I dutifully did. And then I did this long, this uh, psychology seemed interesting, as, as about um, three quarters of first year students also think. Uh, and I, I, I kept doing psychology and law at the same time. And then as I got on in my studies, law became less interesting uh, and psychology became more interesting. And so my vision for becoming a lawyer dropped off, and I didn't ever become that. Uh, so, um, well, I don't know, that, that doesn't actually bother me. Uh, I'm quite happy. Uh, I, things just seem to work out. Um, Pastor Jordan talks about this, this idea of, uh, of people on a ship just winding away, that you have to wind your anchor in to, to pull the boat into harbour or something like that. Um, if you haven't heard it, I'm sure he'll preach it again this year at some stage. Uh, so I don't mean that like that. I mean, it's, it's a common one that he talks about. Um, and I, I feel a great affinity with that because I feel like I just sort of work away and, and, and lo and behold, I get this, you know, I finish my studies and then I get a job in the area that I trained in. And then we moved to Wellington, which was more Rachel's vision than I. And then I get a job just in the same sort of place that I was working in. And then I sort of move up and you know, then I became the manager of the service, and I didn't have a vision for doing that. It was just opportunities kept presenting themselves, and I went, oh, yeah, okay, that's pretty cool, and now I'm in my current job at uni, and that was just because I seemed to be in the right place at the right time, and um, then since I've been doing that, there's been all these other things that have cropped up that I didn't even know existed. Would you like to do this? Oh, sure, I'll do that. Would you like to do that? Oh, yep, that sounds cool. Um, so I, I just sort of, I, I think of myself as a person that just sort of grinds, or not, it's, grinding's a wrong word, it's not hard, I just sort of work away, and, um, and things happen, so I thought, why on earth did you get me to preach about vision, 
because I expected it like Chrissy to be somebody like, you know, I've got this dream and in, in, in 10 years and I'll be a multimillionaire or I'll be living over here or I'll be doing this or I'll be, I'll be building that or making this and I don't really have that uh, and I'm quite happy with that. Um, however, um, actually too, it uh, reminded me of Richard last week when he got up to do his testimony. He said, I don't know why you've asked me to come up and talk about, was it endurance, Rich? Discipline, discipline, it was about discipline. And maybe there's something there about one of the great things about getting together in a community and like this is that other people can see your strengths. Because everybody here knows that Richard's a really disciplined person, but Richard's going, oh, I don't see that at all, what are you talking about? So, um, so maybe there's something there about that's a real benefit is actually in this sort of environment we can see each other's strengths and help them. But I was reading, so I thought I'd better read the book um, which I always thought was what you do when nobody's watching, um, which is slightly creepy. Uh, but it is, in fact, who you are when nobody's looking, which is less creepy. Uh, but, uh, and I think I described that to somebody one day. I said, oh, we're doing this book called What You Do When Nobody's Watching. <laughs> it's like a self-help manual for a lot of things. Uh, anyway, uh, so... I, I read the chapter on vision. Does this come up? That's good. Amanda's quite tall too, so she'll need, a, she'll, need a, <laughs> she'll need it taller. So some of the key things that stood out for me in the book were when they defined vision or when Bill Hybels defined vision. It takes a lot of old-fashioned sweat to be a visionary. And I thought, does it? Uh, and then it takes endurance, and which was I hadn't realised, uh, vision is the God-given ability to see possible solutions to everyday problems of life, which is not what I thought vision was. And the, really importantly too, I think, with human beings, some problems have no solutions, but with God, all things are possible, and that's from Matthew 19.26. So um, that was a little bit of a revelation for me, and I thought, oh, maybe I do have vision. Maybe, maybe, or maybe some of the ways, some of the things I do uh, have vision. So I want to emphasize two points to you that stood out for me. The other good thing about doing a team preach like this is that you only have to have like one or two points. If you're doing the whole sort of 30 minutes, you have to have three or four with little sub points, 3A, 3B. But you know, we can just do five or 10 minutes and bam, we're, we're done. So first point I wanted, uh, that really stood out for me in Bill Heibel's book was around uh, vision takes hard work and endurance. Um, and I've got a really nice example of this. Um, so there was a guy you probably haven't heard of called Norman Borlaug. And he was, uh, I don't know where he was born. I was about to tell you where he was born. No idea. Uh, anyway, he, uh, he received his BSc in biology in 1937. And uh, so he's almost as old as Jordan. And, uh, and his PhD in plant pathology and genetics in 1942. Isn't that good? Um, and what he did was he's, all, he's known as two things. One is uh, one of the fathers of the Green Revolution and also sometimes referred to as the person who saved a billion lives. So what he did was he, um, his PhD and his, uh, his subsequent studies were on developing a semi-dwarf, high-yield, disease-resistant wheat variety. So that means... A really short type of wheat. I paused for semi-dwarf. He didn't develop semi-dwarfs. Uh, uh, but developing a type of wheat 
uh, that uh, is short, uh, gives a lot, and grows in places where wheat doesn't usually grow. Whoopee. Uh, not the most fascinating uh, PhD topic, probably, unless you're really into uh, molecular biology, uh, which I'm not. Um, however, so he did that in 1942. In 1970, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Peace, which was very nice, wasn't it? Uh, and the reason was because his invention, his vision, uh, led to essentially the um, reduction of hunger and famine in places like Mexico, Pakistan, and India. Uh, according to Jan Douglas... Uh, he is the forgotten benefactor of humanity. This is off uh, Wikipedia, and that lets know that that's true. Um, so, um, because uh, Mexico became a net exporter of wheat by 1963, and between 1965 and 1970, wheat yields nearly doubled in Pakistan, greatly improving the food security of those nations. 1970, he got the, he got the Nobel Prize, and in his acceptance speech, speech. He explained his vision in explicitly biblical terms, which is, so he quoted from Isaiah, and he was talking here about the link between hunger and social unrest. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God. He said by that, applying what we have learned for the well-being of mankind throughout the world, he hoped to see another prophecy of Isaiah come to pass, which was, and the desert shall rejoice and the blossom and blossom as the rose, and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. I think what the, the point is, is what he did was really great and helped a whole lot of starving people in third world countries, which is cool. But what I really wanted to emphasize here was the fact that it took him almost 30 years to do that. Yep. Uh, and and well, I can't help thinking that we would, would have had to have a fair amount of hard work and endurance to do that. It took him 30 years, so he didn't just go, right, I'm going I'm to be a great, uh, I'm going to win the Nobel Prize in 1970. In fact, it appears um, that uh, he didn't really have his eye on the Nobel Prize at all. Uh, when the um, Nobel, the, apparently the Nobel Prize people ring you and say, oh, you've got, You've won the Nobel Prize. Um, and they rang him at, uh, through time zone difficulties. They rang his home at 4 a.m. in the morning. He wasn't there because he'd left for work that day to go. He was off to trial something in, Me in New Mexico. Um, so his daughter got in a car and drove down to find him. Um, and he didn't believe her that he'd won the Nobel Prize. So she got out of the car and said, oh, your dad, you've won. And he didn't believe it because he was just focused on what he was doing. But he'd been focused on what he was doing for 30 years. Uh, so that's, so. I don't know what your vision is, but it does take endurance. The second point I wanted to ra raise, and it touches on actually a point which Chrissy talked about as well, which was that vision is about being solution-oriented. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. In my, in my sort of day job, or my, most of my job, I'm not going to walk too far over there because I did that last week when I was meeting leading and blew all the speakers. Well, I don't know if I personally did, but there was an association between me walking over there and the speakers blowing, so I should just stay in the middle. Is that all right? It took, uh, Shane had to turn everything on and off again, which you wouldn't really expect with a, a high-fangled uh, uh, system like ours, but that's what you do with your computer when it goes wrong. You turn it off and turn it on again. Apparently, that's what you do here. 
Anyway, uh, 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 um, so, sorry, I got slightly off point. Um, as, you, as some of you know, my uh, day job as a ClinSyc, um spend a lot of time working with people who have problems of various kinds. And I know very well, both from their experience and, and my own, that be saying, oh, just be solution-focused, don't be problem-focused, is much easier said than done. So, um, having vision is choosing to focus on the future, e even whilst carrying your problems with you. Um, what I want, I, I, I want to illustrate this point by getting a, a volunteer from the audience called Jono. Uh, oh, there was one. Jono, would you give Jono a hand as he comes up? <laughs> Jono is always willing to do things, uh, partly because he has to. Um, so that's all right. Um, so imagine, if you will, for a second, trying to get this off is tricky. Imagine that uh, th this uh, represents uh, all of Jono's problems, that we've written them all down. Um, we're not going to share them, are we, Jono? That's, um, but imagine that they're all written down. We all have problems, right? We all have struggles. So if, I c if any of us sat down with somebody else, we'd all be able to r write out a list of things that we really struggle with. And imagine behind him, uh, I was actually thinking about getting him to write some of them down to make it more realistic, but I thought it was probably a bit harsh. Um, and then behind him is his solutions or his vision or where he wants to go. Um, so um, imagine that these are your, I'll try and do this, imagine that these are your problems, right? Being problem-focused is a bit like this, is that that's where you are. And I want you, John, if you can, to not really strongly, see if you can look around those a little bit. Um, and see if, you can, see if you can push against those. You can push, don't break my iPad, obviously, but, you know, and what? And if Jono and I are to have a conversation, how's 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 that, Jono? Yeah. And also, where is he focused? He's focused on these when his solutions are right behind him. So being solution focused is about deciding what you're going to do with this. People struggle with their problems, and their problems can be like this. So being solution-focused is not going, I just don't have any problems. It's more like being this. So maybe, if, yeah, if you could just hold those there. We're not asking you to put them away. How's that for this? Better? Yeah? Are you, uh, and if you wanted to, could you, you, now you've still got your problems. Jono's still got them here. Grab a seat, Jono. Give him a hand. Um, so it's not like his problems went away but it's where you choose to put your focus. And that's not an easy thing to do. You know, you could see that at times he was struggling uh, to push away his problems and that they just seemed to push. And it's a bit like, uh, uh, it's a bit like um, you know, how sometimes if you've ever had a, one of those big, uh, or any sort of ball in a, in a swimming pool or in a bath, you try to push it down, it just keeps popping up again. It takes an awful lot of effort sometimes just to hold it there. Um, and that's what you have to, I think that's what vision is sometimes. It's saying, do you know what, I'm, I, I realise that I have this, these, these problems, these issues, these struggles that I'm going through, but I'm going to choose to be focused on the solution. I'm going to choose to focus on God. And that's a decision I have to make every day. And it might be a decision I have to make uh, every hour. And do you know what, sometimes it might be a decision I have to choose to make every minute 
No, I'm not going to. No, because you're, you're just like the ball in the bath. It'll keep, they'll keep popping up again because they're real and they're big. Um, so, but, but if, if you're focused on this, you can't focus on anything else. I can't see you guys. I can't have a relationship with you guys. I can't even really have a relationship with God because, because my problems are right there all the time. And it's not as easy as just saying, oh, well, just get on with it then. You know, just be happy. Uh, if that worked, uh, I'd be out of a job, which wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily, but it doesn't work, right? Um, so two things I want to point out to you a bit and to encourage you on around vision as, as firstly as it takes hard work. Pastor Jordan prayed for people this morning. He said, you know, he picked up this sense from the Holy Spirit that some people are going through a tough time. And, and I think that's part of vision, is being able to go through that tough time, is being able to have endurance, is being able to stick with it even when it's tough. Uh, and the second thing too is don't be overwhelmed by your, don't be problem focused. Try to be solution focused. And that doesn't mean ignore your problems. It doesn't mean these just suddenly go away. But, and you may just have to choose to keep lifting your head every day. You may have to choose to reorient yourself. Because remember, with humans, there's a limitation to us. We'll, we'll only be able to achieve so much in our human capacity, but with God, all things are possible. So can I just encourage you to keep at it, to keep trying, and to keep focused on God? Yeah, cool. And now I'm going to introduce our third speaker. So why don't you stand to your feet and welcome the amazing Amanda Tai. Good morning. Take a seat, please. Well, how encouraging is that? Right? Um, I'm not going to, I feel like I've got exactly the same thing to say. But don't switch off because I'm saying it in a really different way. Um, the truth is, is that God has vision for all of us as individuals and as a people, as a church, as a group, and as a wider group as well for this nation, as Christians in this nation. He has a vision for us. Um, and his vision for you is great. It's awesome. It's worth finding out. It's worth seeking. It's worth putting things aside for to find out what those things are the small, for the smaller things in your life and for the bigger, for the when I'm 80, when I'm 90, what, do I, what is it that I want to have achieved? Have achieved? Um, the scripture that Chrissy said, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. They cast off discipline. They cast off self-control. It's just, there's just no point. If I have no um, vision or point to what I'm doing, then what's the point of having self-control? You know, Patty and I really want to eat well. We want to exercise because we want to see our grandchildren. That's a part of our vision. That's why we cast off most of the time the ice cream. That's why we cast off most of the time McDonald's because we know that's not going to lead us to being healthy at 80. Well, for some people, I think it's just pure luck if they do. Um, you know, he wants us to have vision in our relationships, our marriages, our jobs, our church, for our kids, for our future, and for the future of others and for those around you. And vision isn't hard work. You know, the, one of the things I hate doing are team exercises. 
particularly the one where they put a rope across somewhere. And the group of you is on this side. And you have to get to the other side without touching the rope or going underneath it. I'm like, I give up already. I'm not doing, you know, like, I'm like, someone tell me what to do. I'm not being a part of this, you know. I guess that's the whole point that they want us to do it, right? Teamwork. Or they say, here's $20. Uh, your, your goal today, your job today is to make it 1000 And I'm like, who, I don't, can't be bothered. It's too much. I, to, you know, like, <laughs> I'm just not the entrepreneur or to drag that out of me. It's just like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be the worst day of my life. You know, like, let's just go hang out with people. Let's just go laugh. Let's just go have coffee. I don't want to have to think like that. I don't want to have to think about how I get over that rope. I don't want to have to think about how I can turn $20 into 1000 That's just hard work for me. And for some people, that is like, can we just do that now as a team exercise as a church? You know, you'll lead it. You'll make it happen. And that's great. And, and that's kind of like how I've kind of felt about vision from time to time. It's just too much work. It's about how to turn my $20 into a 1000 It's about how to get over that rope. And yes, it is about problem solving. But I believe as, we, as we're drawn into God, vision's not hard work like that. Vision comes and it, it pulls us and it's, it's about our passions and our gifts and our desires. And the closer we get to God, the more he, we desire what he desires and the easier it is to have vision. But, you know, vision is our responsibility you know, and it's great to get around people with other vision for inspiration and for ideas and how does it look like, what does it look like. But at the end of the day, it's, it's your responsibility to have vision for your life, for your home, for your household, for your job, for, your, for what you're doing and what you want to achieve. Um, since about Christmas time, you know, some of you would have met Evie and she is so cute. Like, she's by far the cutest baby in this church. <laughs> you guys were not allowed to agree with that at any level. I'm allowed to say that. And um, there are two other cute babies that follow right behind. But of course, girls are always cuter than boys. So, um, uh, she has been awake every night, right? But not just once. Once is totally doable. When your baby wakes once in a night, you're like, yeah. I have, like, I couldn't care if I won a million dollars today. I have nailed life's goal that my baby only wakes once in the night. She's been waking, like, sometimes every hour, but um, most nights four times a night, right um, t up until last night. Last night was five times. And I'm not up for ages. It's just, like, you walk in there like this, pick her up, sit down, feed her, fall asleep, wake up, put the baby back, go back to bed. So... It's, but it's it's grueling, right? I still go to back to bed. I'm a little bit awake. And, you know, like, midnight is still close to dinner time. Five o'clock in the morning, close to breakfast time, right? But between, like, half past 12 and 4, those are, like, what are those hours about? Do you know? Those hours are about sleeping. The Bible says nighttime is for sleeping. Um, that's why shift work is such hard work. But, like... There's something about those hours, and if you can't get back to sleep, what else do you do? I mean, and you know that you shouldn't go watch TV, because that's, that's the worst, right? That makes your mind go, doo -doo -doo, and then you're shattered the next day, and there's always stuff to do the next day. It's not that luxury of just going back to sleep. 
Um, but my mind became really unrestrained in those hours and I would start to have these irrational fears and I couldn't get back to sleep. And it was, it was just horrible. And irrational fears are things like, um, how am I going to die? When am I going to die? Um, how, when am I, am I going to lose one of my children before my time, etc. Just fears that you just can't seem to control. And they're irrational, very irrational, very much the attack of the devil. You know, the things that he wants to get into here, but if he knows he gets into here, he gets into here, and he gets into here. Um, and I would try and distract myself and pray, and, um, you know, praying's really awesome for that kind of thing because it totally pulls your mind off and worship. But then one, God, uh, one night God spoke to me and he said, Amanda, if you had more vision these things would go. Because you'd think of the vision. You'd think of the things. And so I started to think of things, like I started seeing myself when I was 90, playing with my grandchildren. I started thinking of myself, um, you know, healthy and well. And I started to put vision where I had fears. You know, um, vision is not just about revelation and direction for your life. But it is also about the way it helps you to stay focused sharp, attentive, directed, anchored, sustained and encouraged, inspired, passionate. And the one that I like is in pursuit of the vision giver. Our vision for Patty and I's parents brings me to my knees. My goodness, there's nothing that sharpens your character like a three-year-old, a two-year-old, the seven-month-year-old, um, not so much sharpening my cat, but she just softened, so cute. But a two-year-old and a three-year-old, you know, they're awesome. Elisa is at home. We were cleaning up her vomit this morning. So that's where Patty is. Um, <laughs> he's such a good husband. Um, but it, it just, it's just something so refining about you being at home alone with a little child. No one else sees how you react, how you respond. You know, there's nothing in life yet that has sharpened my character as much as those moments. So one day, Emma is sitting by the couch with her drink bottle, having a drink of water. Lisa comes along and kicks her drink bottle and it hits her mouth. Emma's mouth is bleeding. And I say to Lisa, get on the couch. I'm so mad because everything up until this moment, I'm just like, Lisa's no better than that, right? Like, get on the, go to the couch is mum's way of saying, you need to separate yourself from the situation right now. Go get on the couch while I settle, you know, they're not allowed any toys or anything like that. Just hop on the couch. So she hops on the couch and Emma's bawling her eyes out. But I'm also busting to go to the toilet. Like, busting. So Elisa gets really upset when I raise my voice. And she's like, you ground me. So she's upset. Emma's upset. She's got blood pouring out of her mouth. And I can see it's not really serious. But to Emma, anything is serious when it comes to blood. Um, she got a, She knocked her nose yesterday. She's like, I need a plaster. I'm like, you don't need a plaster. There's no blood. I need a plaster. So I put a little plaster on her nose. It looks pretty cute. Emma is seriously serious about making a big deal about anything that causes that blood is in the air. So she's crying and bleeding. Lisa's on the couch and crying because I've upset her. And I'm busting, like actually busting. There's nothing that can stop me, right? So I explained to him, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. Just wait here. Lisa, you stay put. Mummy's going to the bathroom. I'll be back. So I'm, I'm going to the bathroom. And I say, Jesus, 
what do I do in this situation? You know, like I don't want to be this person that always just puts Lisa on the couch because that's not going to work five years down the track, you know, or ten years down the track. What do I do? Because I don't want to be this mum, you know. And he said, go back and give her responsibilities. I was like, boom, that's going to work. Of course. Thank you, Jesus. And so I go back and I'm like, Lisa, go get me the tissues. And she's like, go get the tissue. I'm like, okay, I need, and I'm trying to think of all the things I can think of that I needed to get me wipes, you know, anything that should get me in my bag, even though there was nothing in my bag. I was like, and she's like, so she goes and get these things for me. And I'm like, now help me get the tissue, help me get this. And, you know, we're cleaning it up. And, I, and then um, when they're all a bit more settled, Lisa apologizes. But, you know, that vision I had to be a great mum, just like Chrissy and I was talking about that, that vision I have to create a household where we respond to each other's needs and we do think that, um, and we're responsive and sensible with our, our actions, it brought me to my knees and that's what vision does. It brings you back and it goes, Jesus, what's the solution to this? What do I do in this situation? Um, and yeah, when you have vision, it keeps you in pursuit of the vision giver and there's nothing more rewarding than being connected to our saviour. When late Walt Disney um, he was, uh, received an award for all of his achievements, I can't remember what award it was, but I remember reading this as a young person. The presenter said to his wife, don't you wish that Walt was here to see this? And his wife paused and said, oh, he saw this a long time ago. You know, I love that about vision you might not always see the fulfillment of it, but living it will make you fulfilled. You know, what do you see? What do you see? Because what God has for you to see is enough to get you through and see you through. A fulfilled life filled with discipline, direction, self-control, passion, connectedness with him. And I'll pass it back to Jordan. We didn't talk about what to do there. So. <laughs> Just stay standing. Why don't you give everyone a, a round of applause? That was good. It's real good. I just we're just gonna we're just gonna pray for a bit. Uh, just stand. Just maybe stand to your feet if you have, if you're not standing already. Maybe even just close your eyes and think, you just heard three really awesome presentations about a vision, and I hope in addition to that, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. But I, one of the things that's captured my mind is, is what Chrissy said about glasses that she had to wear when she was 15, that her eyes worked fine except when she was tired. And I just think sometimes we're in that same position where we do have vision except when we're tired or when we're at work, or when we're driving in, tra in traffic, or, or when we're having an argument about the money at home, or, or when the kids are misbehaving, or when there's just, you know, you can deal with two assignments due, but not three, and now I can't see how I'll ever get through this. I think for all of us, God brings us to places where we have to dig deeper in Him. And sometimes we think, oh, this, I've even heard people say this, oh, the God thing doesn't work anymore. It's just a bit deeper, that's all. God's just calling us to dig a little bit deeper, to find Him somewhere deeper. And I, and I think God takes us step by step. If we keep responding to Him, 
Oh, he did stretch me, God. Thank you for that. I repent of these things holding me back. I want to embrace this new character that's a character of vision, right? He takes us step by step, except when we're not moving. And then one year later, we're a long way away from where we think we should be. I don't know. I've, I, I have conversations with people if, all the time, and they say, I didn't think, I thought I would be further along in my life by now. And I, and I sort of think, why did you think that? Because <laughs> in our life, we don't get further along unless we keep moving along. But it's a tendency when you're 25 to think, well, we're here, and you sort of, some parts of your life stop developing and stop growing. And this morning, can you, I don't know if you can feel a challenge. There's a challenge in the air. There's some great, we've heard some great inspiration and encouragement, but there's some ch- a challenge in the air that says, come on, if we're going to, God saved me. I know God saved me when I was 12 years old. He saved me. He, he set me free. I prayed a prayer and I acknowledged Jesus as my Lord. I, and he saved me when I was 12 years old. But you know, I'm not the same. I've actually changed a lot since I was 12. It wasn't like God didn't finish working with me then. Do you know what? He started working with me then. Do you know? Uh, you might find this hard to believe, but I'm, I'm more mature than I was when I was 12. I understand God more than I did when I was 12. I understand my future more, but it's, it's God's moving me along, and all of it is a journey of grace. So God saved me, but then He begins working on me to deliver me from stuff, to set me free. Then I begin to discover who I am so that I can live out the dreams that God has for my life. And come on, we're all on this same journey. And Dougal said in his prayer last week, and it's just been ringing, rolling around in my head all week. It's been a a great part of my devotion that Dougal prayed, God, Jesus, we pray that this week, every day, we'd take one step closer to you. This week, Jesus, we'd take one step closer to you. Do you know, it doesn't actually matter where you are. It matters in which direction you're going because you might be in a bad place. But if you're moving out of it, that's a positive thing. If you're moving further into it, that's a negative thing. You might be in a good place, but go in the wrong direction. Right? So let, why don't you lift your hands and just respond to God where you're at. Where you're at. I, I, if there's a million different prayers we could pray for, you know, each and every one of us. But come on, all of us, come on. There, there's a sense of the, the, the challenge, come on, to take a step forward. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here. Lord, we thank you for your word delivered by your servants. And Lord, we choose to hear you this morning. Lord, we choose to lean in and incline our ear to your voice, God. Lord, the the things in our life that we maybe need to let go of. And I really believe that that some of us, it's a letting go that needs to take place. Maybe you just need to think of those things that you know that God's already been challenging you on. Just say, God, I'm reminded again I need to let go of some of those thoughts, some of those behaviors, maybe some relationships that are holding you in a set place. Just say in your heart, God, I'm letting these go in Jesus' name. And then for a bunch of us, there's some things we need to pick up. Maybe you need to pick up hope. Maybe you need to pick up faith. Maybe some, some of us need to pick up our Bible and say, God, I'm going to find vision for my life, and I'm going to read day by day until you speak to me. Holy Spirit, I pray. Lord, we thank you that you're our counselor, you're our guide, you're our leader. And Lord, I pray you'd move us. And Lord, as we respond, we thank you that you're moving us further and further into your image, transforming us by your Spirit into the, the glory, from glory to glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Can we give our, our preachers a hand? Again, thank you so much.